Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. I want to um, look at tonight somewhere good in the Bible, uh, Matthew 14. <laughs> Matthew, I got a quick uh, video. Uh, do we have that ready? Just to, uh, um, just to get us started, because we do have a theme. So I, I found this little video, just part of the theme. So let's, let's, let's see what it says. Just like 50 seconds long. So we are in the series Branded. And as we're looking at this series, Brian, I want to look at a few men who changed their brand. And I, it wasn't an overnight feat, but it was a process. It was, at times, a struggle. And how many know there's good brands out there? Hebrews 11 is filled with men who've been branded by God for all eternity. Men of, branded by, these are men of faith. These are men of God. These are men of prayer. These are men that prophesied. These are men that stayed faithful. How many know those are good brands to have as we walk in Christianity? I don't want to be branded that guy that goes to church. But I want a brand that says, you know what? I stood strong for God. That I, that I made it through the struggle no matter what it was. That just like Hebrews 11, these men are, are in the hall of faith. Can I tell you, they didn't arrive there overnight. It was a trip. It was a race. It was a struggle. It was a fight. And I want to tell you, I want to be branded like that. I want you to be branded. I'm here to challenge you tonight. I'm, I'm here to help you, to, to equip you, to prepare you for what God has for your life. That you can be branded a man or a woman of faith, a man or a woman of hope, a man or a woman of God. But in order to get this brand, there's a process that you and I have to go through so that God can begin to build us to become what God has called us to do. And through my daily life, as I'm learning and learning, I've been saved 31 years and, and it's, I'm still learning and learning more. I, I've learned such, so little of Jesus. There's so much. It's, it's a, you know, I've been reading the Bible 30 years, 31 years, and it's still, I still get new revelation from it. And every day I need to decide how am I going to view Jesus? Oh, that was a good one right here. Listen, every day that you wake up, you need to make a decision. How will I view God today? Because I want to tell you, most Christians, most people view God in the natural eye or with the natural eye. Oh, he was a miracle worker. Oh, he was a compassionate man. Oh, he was a friend of the people, a friend of sinners. He was a, he was a teacher of amazing truths. 
as he began to read the Bible, even the Pharisees said that, this, that no man have ever spoke like you. They begin to marvel at the things that Jesus did. And it's the natural eye that sees Jesus as the miracle, uh, miracle worker, which he was. The man who went about doing good. That's our natural view of God. And can I tell you, that's where most Christians get stuck. Most of the world that calls themselves Christians, they, they have the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. But then there's those that view God with a partial eye. They, 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 they see it partially with their, real, with their natural eye and partially with their spiritual eye. That they begin to see the miracles of God. They begin to see the, the, the power of God move. And they believe that he's divine. They believe that he's God in the flesh. This was the revelation that was given to Peter in Matthew 16, 13 through 16. Now, here Jesus is questioning them and he says, who do people say that the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, uh, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus stopped them and said, but what do you, what about you, Jesus asked, uh, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so here's a revelation that was given to Peter by God the Father about his son. Because as you begin to read and continue to read the Gospels, you begin to realize that none of the 12 disciples ever saw Jesus in his fullness of who he really was until after Pentecost. When you see Jesus in all his fullness, this is what Paul constantly talked about. That I saw God, Jesus, in all his fullness, in all his glory. He was taken up into, into the third heaven or the fourth heaven or seventh heaven. Uh, you know, Paul was all over the place, man. You notice that Paul was just here and there and everywhere. But he was taken somewhere and shown the revelation of Jesus. Uh, why? And I, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, but he got the revelation and he's saying, I want you to get that revelation. Not only to see what he can do, but to see who he really is. See, the disciples in all the years, the three years that they walked with Jesus, they never saw with their spiritual eyes who Christ really was. And in Matthew 14, here uh, we, we take up the story that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so as you read the stories in the Bible, Jesus was trying to show his disciples the fullness of who he really was. He knew that they only saw him with their partial eye. They believed in him enough to follow him, but they still didn't have a revelation of who he really was. And oftentimes us as Christians do not see Jesus in his fullness. 
in our walk with God, if we're honest tonight, how many know most people in the Christian realm today know more about the church than they do about Jesus? How many know when you go to the huge churches, they know more about the pastor than they do about Jesus? That's why they never get a revelation of who Jesus really is. Because they're so caught up in the natural. They are so caught up and satisfied with just knowing about him. I begin to look at my life as I'm putting this together. I begin to look at, at, at my walk and all the struggles. And, and I can see the times where I've gotten a glimpse of who Jesus really was. It's mind-blowing. These are, these are times when you just drop to your knees and begin just to weep. And, 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 and almost like Peter, when, when Jesus comes to him, he's in the boat, and, and, and Jesus steps there, and Peter says, drops to his knees, depart from me, I'm a sinner. When we begin to really see who we are and how much he's done for us, See, I've known about his divinity. I've known him through his healings. But rarely, 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 you know, we, we see his fullness constantly. And here in our scripture, you know, Jesus constrained disciples to get into the ship. Remember, Jesus does things for a reason. There's always something behind his actions. It was to teach them. It was for them to get a revelation of who he really was. We often, we so often skip over the gospels to get the wisdom and the teachings of Paul. So often we skip over Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. I want to get to Ephesians. Or, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principality. You know, we, we want those big scriptures. You know, we want, we want the, 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 the mighty, powerful revelations of Paul. And we miss the hidden gems of the gospel or that are in the gospel. Even Jesus said that, that these things are hidden. These things are hidden truth that, that you and I have to dig for. These are hidden gems, hidden truth. That they're right there in the Bible. But they're hidden so that we can begin to seek God. These are powerful truths that we need to apply or, or that will, will help us in our walk with God. They are hidden mysteries written before the foundations of the world. But God wants to reveal those truths and he only reveals those truths to people that are diligently seek him, seeking him and want to really know him. When we begin to pray, God, give me revelation of the word of God as I begin to read. How many ever prayed that prayer before you read the Bible? God, give me a revelation. Give me insights. I'm reading. Help me to find those gems. Help me to find, God, let me get closer. Help me to get closer to you. 
See, it's the scriptures that really open our eyes to who Jesus really is. Here in Matthew 14 in the scripture, he, 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 he pushes them up into the boat, but they had just fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So you're thinking about 10, 12,000 people, 13,000 people. So I'm thinking about that. So all of you, anybody that thinks that I'm loud, I take after Jesus. <laughs> Think about it. He's preaching to 12, 13, 14, 15,000 people. They didn't have speakers. So could you imagine Jesus speaking in a whisper to 5,000 men? <laughs> How do we know he had to get loud? Woo, come on, baby. That makes me feel good. <laughs> Mike said, Pastor, doesn't it sound good in here because of these new speakers? I'm like, I really don't need that for me tonight. <laughs> but I'm looking at this story. I want you to just look at it with me tonight. Here, they feed 5,000 men. And every time I read this, I'm astonished. Because they do not marvel at what just happened. Neither do you guys. Look at that. I don't see the amazement. I don't see the awe. All they had was two fishes and five loaves. Listen, these guys didn't even want anything to do with the people. He says, send them off. Jesus says, you feed them. How are we going to feed them? All we have is two fishes, five loaves. He says, bring them here. He begins to pray for them, and he begins to distribute it to the disciples, and the disciples begin to distribute the food, and afterwards, they collect 12 baskets and they still did not get it. I want you to put yourself, wouldn't you be looking at this and say, wait a minute, how do we have 12 baskets? <laughs> I would be, Jesus, are you Houdini? Who are, what is going, how did we, how many here you would question that? How many of you would be amazed and blown away? We had two fishes and five loaves. Could you imagine our yearly church picnic with only two fishes and five loaves? You better let the kids eat first because ain't nobody else going to eat. But they break it and they begin to feed 12, 13, 14, 15,000 people. They come up with 12 baskets and they have no revelation. They're not in awe of God's glory. They don't get it. And can I tell you, I've been around Christians who have seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people get out of wheelchairs and they still don't get it. Year after year after year, all they do is play church. See, that's the culture that we live in. As long as I go to church Sunday, I'm okay. And God says, you know what? Depart from me, for I do not know you. Ooh, is this harsh? (laughs) 
Listen to what verse 20 said. I don't know if I got up there, but, and they did all eat and were filled. I mean, it wasn't just like a little crumb, a little, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a, a communion today, you know, a little piece of bread here, you guys. No, they were full. I mean, no, we can throw down and eat. <laughs> I've seen you all eat at the picnics. <laughs> I'm like, oh, mi Dios. <laughs> and that Carly brings that doggone dessert, and I just can't stop eating that dang on dessert. I mean, I'm like all bloated and all messed up because I had like three or four. And they say, why is it all gone? Pastor Dave must have been here. But church, listen to me. They're working, picking up. Listen, listen, it's very important. They're out there working, picking up all the bread. They were busy doing it. That they were, they were not understanding who he was. They were so busy at the work that they missed the revelation. They were so busy in ministry that they never took time to fast and pray and get a hold of God. They were so busy with a title. I'm a, I'm a Bible study leader. I don't have to be there. That they missed the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. They were so busy involved in so many things in the church that they never realized who the one that was calling them was. This is pretty deep stuff, isn't it? We can miss God. I feel bad for the preacher that does not challenge his church uh, to look at Jesus and get to know him more. Could you imagine how many people sit in churches and don't know Jesus? Church, let us not be like that. That's why it's vital that, that we're involved, especially in prayer, that, that, that when there's a, a, something like that going on, that, that we show up and say, this is important. I get to draw closer to God, and I get to take people with me. I want to teach them. They were so busy doing it that they missed who Jesus was. And the, the scriptures to follow, the Bible says that, that, they're, that, that while on the ship, that their hearts were hardened because they didn't recognize them. Can you imagine seeing the miracles? Because you can see with the natural eye and really not know him. So you can see the miracles and still have a hardness of heart and not see who Jesus is. So back to the ship here. Let me, let me get to the scripture here. So, so he constrained them. Another word for that in the Greek is he herded them into the ship. He says, quickly, gentlemen, get in the boat and get out to sea. So as you begin to look at this, this was not an accidental trip. This was a planned trip. This was a divine appointment. And the Bible says in verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So Jesus 
puts him on the ship to get out, go. He sends everybody off. He prays. And now he's walking towards them in the dark. As they're in the ship being tossed all over the place, they see a light coming towards them. Jesus Christ walking on water and he's walking towards them. And as you read this scripture, listen to me. None of the disciples' hearts leap for joy. Oh, it's the Lord. None of them gets excited. Oh, it's Jesus. He's coming towards us. It's nothing like we read in the Song of Solomon. My beloved draws nigh, even at the door. He has put his hand on the handle of the door. My bowels are moved for him. And so here the Shulamite knew that her lover was approaching. She said, I sense him. He's here. I feel him. You know, I try to scare my wife every once in a while. I used to be successful, you know, when I was stealth in the Marine Corps, just stealth. But now, she goes, I sense you. <laughs> I feel you. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you feel me? I, I, feel, I, know, I know when you come into the room. <laughs> how, many, how many wives do you know that? You, you can tell and sense when your husband or husband, when your wife walks in the room. <laughs> I feel them. They're here. Here, Johnny. <laughs> But in the ship, there was none of that. These guys are scared, and they look out. It's a ghost. Listen, it was just minutes away from a doggone miracle. They saw the power of God working miracles around them, and now they think they're seeing ghosts. And the Bible said they were afraid, and they were overcome with fear. There's a storm all around them. They see a light of men walking in the water coming towards them. They're overcome with fear that they could not see Jesus in their crisis. They could not see Christ in their crisis. They were in the middle of their storm and they could not sense Christ in it. And I don't know what your storm is tonight. But I do know that, and I want to ask you this, do you sense Christ in it? You're in your storm right now. Do you see Jesus in it? Do you see Jesus involved in what you're going through tonight? Listen to me. God had permitted this troubling tempest to come upon them. They were in divine order. They were in the will of God. They were sent there by God. God was after something in these men's life. He put them in that tempest because he's trying to dig something out of them. There was something in them, this fear that would eventually destroy them. It was something that could drive them away from him until they were destitute and they became agnostic. And there's things that God is trying to work out in you and I. 
There are things that God is at work in our lives right now. And oftentimes, sometimes he has to send a tempest the tempest towards you and I so that he can begin to work these things out uh, so that he can work that perfection in us. And then as we go through these testings, that as the harder the tempest gets, his hopes is uh, the closer we begin to draw to him. That we begin to realize that the very thing that strengthens us and helps us through is getting a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. You know, something I've learned in life, that if we don't do this, people get bitter. People get angry. And they become agnostic. I knew there was no God. Because they never built their foundation on the basics of Christianity. Everybody with me tonight? Yes. I've seen Peter people become bitter. Because they never, they begin to blame God for their situation. See, God, in this, this certain scripture, God is dealing with the fear in these men. This deliberating fear that if not dealt with would destroy them, would cripple their very faith. And how many know there's things in our life that God begins to deal with us uh, because it's going to cripple us uh, in the future if we don't deal with it today. So God permits this because he's digging at something. He's reaching for something. He says, I don't want you to get hard. I don't want you to get bitter. That's something I've learned, church. I want you to listen very closely. In your storm, you either see Christ in your crisis and listen to his wonderful promises that, that, that be of good cheer. It is me. I'm here to help you. I'm here to strengthen you. I'm here to encourage you. See, I, I brought this to pass because what I see in you could destroy you. There's people going through a storm right now. Maybe you're going through marriage problems. Maybe financial problems. I don't know what the problems are. I don't know what it is tonight. Maybe it's just even your relationship with God tonight. That maybe you're holding on by one little string tonight. You've had it up to here with struggle after struggle. There's people in here, you're saying, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand. All he's trying to get you and I to realize is to look on him, to trust him, because I'm helping you to stand so that your faith will grow, that your trust will grow, that your confidence in me will grow. You know, the best example I could come up with is Joseph. How I many know Joseph did not become second in command because of how great he was? It was his thought of how great he was that got him to go through all the trials that he went through. God says, I have to work this out in you first before you can be the man that I've called you to be. 
Could you imagine Joseph and his arrogance when he was young to be placed as second in command in Egypt? It would have been totally different. God says, you got to go through these storms to work out those things that will destroy your life later on. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's getting it tonight. It's our storm that God wants you and I to draw near to him. Because it's these storms that's going to help you and help God work out issues that are needed to be worked out so that we can become the man of God that God needs in this very hour. How many know God needs you for this very hour? God needs you. Don't say, oh, God has somebody else. Can I tell you something? God doesn't have anybody else. He very few. Very few that are willing to sacrifice and make that kind of commitment to, to go ye. Listen, you're in here tonight. You have a purpose. I don't know if it's something great. I don't know what that, that is. Oh, it's going to be great. I don't know because I've seen people doing awesome things, uh, but they didn't, weren't so great in the natural eye. Yes. Yes. See, I could ask, how many here, you want to do great things for God before you raise your hand? Before you raise your hand. When I'm talking about a great thing for God, I'm not talking about having a mega church full of people and, and, and all your finances met and you're driving a brand new car and doing this. all. That's not what I'm talking about. How many know that's not great in the eyes of God? How many know that's arrogance in the eyes of God? Oh, my God. I, I'm going to get stoned one of these days by pastors, man. Here is great in the eyes of God. Being crucified upside down. That's great in the eyes of God. Being boiled alive. That was great in the eyes of God. Being stoned for his name's sake. He says, that's great in the eyes of God. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa, whoa. I don't like that. Can, can we go back to the big church and calling and destiny and, and multitudes getting saved when I preach? I, I like that, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, but what if that leads to you being stoned? What was greater, you preaching or you being stoned for his namesake? See, we want the spotlight. But see, that persecution, that thing, that's a spotlight in heaven. Who does God look at and says, you know what, it's the ones that were martyred. He goes, it's time, almost time to judge it. See, that's, that's great in the eyes of God. That I'm not here for my glory, I'm here for the glory of God. God needs you in this very hour, men and women of God. In our storm, God wants you and I to draw near to him, draw closer to him, to put our confidence and our faith in him. In Daniel 3, I, I just love this story so much. I probably use it so much, but I really don't care because it's just an awesome story. But here's Shamrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They say, our God is able to deliver. If not, he's still God. We ain't serving your puny wooden fake gods. My God's real. And the Bible says that they were thrown in a fiery storm. How many ever felt a, a, a fiery storm after you begin to preach Jesus at your work? But listen, this is what, 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 what astonished me and blows my mind. In Daniel 3, verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying uh, to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. See, it's in our storm, it's in our fire that God meets us, that he gets intimate, he gets personal. He wants you and I to stand strong. It's in the midst of the fire that God wants us to rest assured that he is with us, that he wants to stir up your faith and he wants your roots to go deeper down in the ground. See, puny Christianity doesn't dig your deep your roots down deep. You know, we wanted to be fanned and say, oh Lord, yes. Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> Fan me, Lord. And then when the real winds come, they collapse. I got some roots, dude. I've been through some stuff. Pastor Omar and Sister Let, they've been through some stuff. Pastor Omi told me a couple of stories. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> see, Omar, Omar knows he's been through those struggles with them. He goes, let me attach myself to your roots. <laughs> Take me down deeper. I was reading, this is not in my, I got a couple minutes here. I'm sorry, I was trying to be quickly about this. I'm getting very close here. But I was reading about this biosphere uh, uh, home or thing that they built in Arizona to try to uh, uh, produce the atmosphere uh, on the moon, but giving it oxygen. So they began to farm. They began to grow all this stuff and, and all this vegetation and trees and stuff like that. And they found out, I might have used this already, but oh well, uh, that they, they, they even built trees in there because they want to see if, if trees would grow on the moon. And, and after the trees would get like 10 feet tall, they just fell. Bloop. And so they started doing it again, trying to get it to, to go up. And after about 10 feet, 10, 11 feet, they just fall. And so they began to study this and study this, wonder why, wonder why. And, and it came to find out that the one thing that they could not reproduce was wind. It was the wind it's the wind pushing against the trees that make it dig down deep into the ground and they're able to withstand the, the, the winds or the storms that come in life. I want to tell you, it's the storms of life that help us to grow down deep. That we can say like Paul in Ephesians 6, 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Oh, devil, blow against me. I, I'm, I'm fitted. And you know what? I got enough brothers and sisters around me to hold me up if I'm tumbling a little bit. That's why 
That's why you're important. We can't do this on our own. I mean, I can only bend so much even now. I mean, it's like it's not the same anymore. (laughs) But we have to withhold. We have to help each other stand. And it's my roots growing deeper, me drawing closer to God that stirs up my faith and begin to declare. Listen to me. It's my roots growing deeper. It's me being able to go through these storms that I'm able to declare with confidence how Paul declared it in Philippians uh, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ uh, who strengthens me. That no matter what the struggle is, uh, I am rooted deep. I can stand here. I can withstand it. Why? Because Christ is the one that strengthens me. Oh, I am weak. Uh, Left to myself, I am weak. But doggone it, you add a little bit of Holy Ghost in here. And I want to tell you, watch out hell, because here I come. It's going through the storms uh, that, that I begin to feel and know with, uh, and begin to acknowledge with confidence. Romans 8, uh, 38 and 39, for I am persuaded. Oh, are you persuaded tonight? He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's saying, God loves me. He's not going to let me fall. He loves me. He's going to help me to stand. And I want to ask you tonight, are you persuaded? Don't look at anybody else. Are you persuaded? I want that brand. I want that brand. Oh, he was a man of God. He was a man of faith. He was a man that encouraged. He was a prayer warrior. You know, I have my friend. uh, He's a farmer. I was telling Isaac in the back. uh, uh, He gets up at 2.30. He's a farmer. and I I thought he was going to work at 3, 3. 330 and I mean I've known this guy for 30 years 30 years and just a couple weeks ago we're talking and and he's telling me I I get up at at 230 because because God's been dealing with me I I I get up and and uh, I I pray 40 minutes on the way to work and then I go into the chapel for a little bit during the day but God says no that's not what I want and I what do you want (laughs) and he challenged me get start getting up at 4 430 I want you praying. Do you know I work? He said, do you know I'm God? You win. And you know what? This morning I tried to sleep in and he woke me up. I kid you not. How, how's that possible, God? Well, try it. Woke me up. I couldn't sleep. I said, okay, I'll pray. Got up, went out to the living room, began to pray. So he's telling me, so we're talking. He gets up at 2.30 every morning. And I'm like, and then finally, you know, the, the other morning, that's what happened. The other morning he calls me. It was uh, uh, 5.30. And, and uh, I said, oh, you're on your way. I said, how's work going? He goes, I'm on my way to work right now. I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, dude, you've been up since 2.30. I thought you went to, to work like at 3, 3.30. He says, he goes, no, I get up at 2.30 every day and I pray. 
45 minutes to an hour. And then I open up my Bible and begin to read the Bible, begin to study. And around that time, my wife gets up and we make coffee and we sit down and we talk. I was like, I repent, Lord, of all my sins. <laughs> and Pastor Isaac got this revelation. He goes, that's real. He goes, that's not religion. He says, he knows Jesus. He says, you can't fake that. Nobody knows. See, it's who you are in darkness that is revealed in light. I want that brand. And I want to ask you in closing, who do you say that he is? Who do you say? Not who your husband, your wife says, or your parents, or even pastor. Who do you say he is? I want to close with Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, that God, this is Paul's prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. He goes, I want your eyes to be opened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? How do I do this tonight, church? By James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Prayer and reading the word of God. There's no other way. There's no shortcuts to us. God's not going to ask you how much ministry will you involved in. He said, do you know my son Jesus? Do you know my son Jesus? I hope that this stirs you enough that my very, very favorite story is here is Elisha surrounded and homeboy is just chilling. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to chill while the enemies all around surrounded you? His servant that doesn't know God is stressed out. Don't you care? We're outnumbered. And with confidence, they that are with us are greater than they that are in the world. Who can say that confidently in here? And he's so worried about his servant. He said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. What? So that he can see the spiritual and he opened his eyes and he said, oh, my God, look, at we are surrounded by God's army. Oh, that you would get a revelation of that tonight, church. That no matter what you're in right now, the angels of God surround you. I remember a prophecy that Sandy received that she's able, as her prayers are, as she's praying, that God is shifting his army. Isn't that powerful? God's got an army, and he's ready. He's ready. Here's the problem. He's looking for a people that know him and will call on his name so he can direct the angels of heaven. Oh, my God, man. God wants to do something powerful in your life. But we got to get to know him and the power of his goodness and the power of his grace. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed, I hope this helps somebody tonight, church. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.